0: Good morning, Four Corners Church. I pray that all of you are well and growing spiritually. We pray as elders for you all that the Lord would watch over you during this time of sickness, that he would watch over your bodies and that he would watch over your souls, that you would grow in the Lord during this time, that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would uh, be looking to him to give you strength and direction, and that your hope would be set on him. Another prayer that I have for all of us as a church during this time is that we are participating in our gospel community groups. Uh, one of the things that I personally have seen in my group, and I've talked with a number of folks for whom this is the case, that that being able to gather online, even though it's not in person, but being able to do these Zoom sessions and have everyone there, uh, pictures of everyone, and to be able to talk with each other, pray together, read scripture, discuss scripture together, is of great encouragement during a time of separation and what is otherwise pretty isolating. So I do hope that if you are not taking advantage of that each week that you would plug in with your gospel community group. And I'm also praying for all of us that we would take advantage of this time for some of us, not all of us, but for some of us Uh, this is a time where uh, we have more time at home with our kids more time with our spouses and so uh, one prayer that i have for us is that we would take this time to really invest in our families i know as a men's ministry team we've often talked about uh, what it looks like to be men of the home and so one prayer that we have during this time is that our men would be growing in that and women would be growing in uh, what it means to be a godly family. And this is a time where we're spending a lot uh, a lot more time together and so that we would take advantage of that. But also on an individual level, this is a time maybe where we have different kinds of entertainment options. We can either sit in front of Netflix or, or sit in front of the TV and watch the news or we can take opportunities to meditate on scripture. So maybe you have more time now to sit and, uh, and, and find something to do. And so I, I, if you have kids, that's probably not the case uh, right now. But uh, I pray that you would use that time wisely and that you would redeem the time and, and use that time to, to center yourself on God's Word. This morning, from my home to yours, I want to wish all of you a very happy Easter, a very happy resurrection Day, a very happy Resurrection Sunday. I begin this morning with a basic question, and this basic question will guide us as we move through the sermon today. And it's this What does it really look like to celebrate Easter? What does it look like to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? We all recognize that we're not able, due to this pandemic, to gather and celebrate corporately in the way that we would like, in the way that we're used to on Easter Sunday, a very special day in the year, and we recognize that we're just not able to do that right now. The video, the video content that we as a church are providing may be helpful in teaching and edifying and uniting us as a church but we all recognize that it's not ideal it's not ideal right now to simply sit in front of a screen and listen to singing to reading of Scripture to praying and to preaching we wish that we were together we desire to be together as a local church so as a result of this situation you may be thinking this year in a way that you've never thought before, you may be thinking something like this. Well, we're not going to be able to celebrate Easter this year. Easter we've been able to celebrate every other year, but this year we're just simply not able to celebrate it. And I suppose that there is some truth to that as far as the corporate expression of that celebration is concerned. We're not able to celebrate Easter this year in the way we are used to gathering together as a church but here's what i want to encourage you with this morning easter is something that is celebrated with our lives no we're not able to gather and celebrate corporately as we are used to but easter is something that is celebrated with our lives we celebrate easter this year and for that matter every year by having a resurrection oriented Life, And that's the title for the sermon this morning, A Resurrection Oriented Life. And as I was coming up to today, I was thinking a lot about what, to, what, to, what text to take us to, what to preach on today. I considered a few options. So number one, we could go to one of the resurrection accounts in the Gospels. We could go to one of those empty tomb scenes or one of those resurrection appearances of Jesus to his disciples and and focus in on that and we've done this in previous years. Uh, Another option is we could just continue in Romans. We we could stay with the book we're in and just go right on to the next verses uh, and continue that series. But there's a third option. Uh, that we could take, and this is the option that I've chosen for this morning, and that is to return to Romans chapter 1, verse 4, which very conveniently for us, ends with mention of Christ's resurrection. So Christ's resurrection is very much in our minds. We've just looked at it last week as we, as we finished uh, verse 4 of, uh, of the epistle, of chapter 1 of the epistle to the Romans that Paul wrote. And now that we've laid out the pieces of that verse, of that passage, we can now really spend some time drawing out the implications of the resurrection as it is presented to us specifically in this verse, chapter 1, verse 4 of Romans. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Romans chapter 1, verse 4, a resurrection-oriented life. And there are three characteristics of this life that we're going to spend our time looking at this morning. Three characteristics of this resurrection-oriented life. A life that truly celebrates Easter, whether we're able to gather or not, is a life of expectation, a life of holiness, number two, and number three, a life of purpose. A life of expectation, a life of holiness and a life of purpose. So if you would please go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, and we're going to be looking here at the entire greeting as we've done before. We'll go ahead and read Romans chapter 1, verses 1 to 7, but we'll be focusing our attention today on verse 4. So let's read God's Word together. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, Apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations Including you who are called to belong to jesus christ to all those in rome who are loved by god and called to be saints Grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ Let's go to god in prayer and ask for his blessing on this time together today. Let's ask that he would use this sermon today to reignite our our love for the Lord Jesus Christ, our, our trust in his resurrection historically, but also our appropriation of that resurrection, as we're going to see for our own lives and our own health and our own future for eternity. So let's pray and talk to our Heavenly Father. Our Father in heaven, we glorify you this day. What a special day this is in uh, the history of the church. What a special day this is when our Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Just as on the first day of the week you said let there be light and there was light and creation began to emerge as you as you made all things out of nothing and and we See Jesus raised on the first day of the week, new creation beginning, breaking in, coming about through the resurrection of our Lord from the dead. We glorify you today, Father, for the Christ of Easter. He is the gift that was given to us at Christmas, and he is the gift who has purchased our salvation on the cross and through his resurrection at Easter. Father, we thank you for what we were able to reflect on in our Good Friday uh, service, what was provided online, and now we reflect on the resurrection of Christ today. We ask that your spirit would be with us, that you would guide our thinking, that we would be impacted deeply by your word. I pray for our families. I know they're gathered around a screen, and kids of various ages are having to be uh, occupied and also Uh, corrected and uh, encouraged and urged to to listen. Lord, we pray that you would calm their minds and that you would help us to focus all kids and adults alike on the truth of your word regarding the resurrection. Thank you for this day. It's a weird time, Lord, to be celebrating the resurrection of Christ, but in many ways it is such a perfect time to be reminded of the hope we have in Christ, of of the Christian gospel, the gospel that eclipses all trials, all pandemics, all tribulations, and that will one day see this world back to perfection. We praise you for the truth of Easter Resurrection Day. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing we're going to look at or the first characteristic of This resurrection oriented life is that it is a life of expectation look with me again at verses 3 to 4 and I'll go back up to verse 1 pick up there and I just want to see uh, this uh, what Paul is doing is he's describing the gospel of God so I'll go back to verse 1 the gospel of God and then drop down to verse 3 concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared, or as we saw last week, appointed to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by or at his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now it is clear from verse 4 that Christ's resurrection itself is in view. And that is why the translators translate this by his resurrection from the dead. Paul is clearly here talking about a particular person and a particular event in that person's biography. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and the event that he is talking about is his exaltation as the powerful Son of God at the resurrection. That is clearly what Paul has in view, and that's the reason why the translators have chosen to translate this, his resurrection from the dead. But there's something about the language here that I want to point out to you that I think is of is great encouragement to us. The text literally reads, by or at resurrection of dead persons. That's the way the text in the original language literally reads, or by the resurrection of dead persons. So what's my point? Why am I making uh, any to-do about this? My point is this. Built into the very language of Christ's resurrection is the anticipation, already built into it, is the anticipation of further resurrection yet to come. There are more dead persons yet to be raised. In other words, there is a plurality that is already built into this singular event. This means that Christ's resurrection can never be viewed or celebrated as an isolated event way back there in history. It's not an isolated event in and of itself contained in that way. And that is why Paul, as I said last week, calls Christ's resurrection the first fruits. So I want to expand on that a little bit this week. I want to point you to 1 Corinthians 15:20. There Paul says the first that Christ and his resurrection, the resurrected Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And he goes on in that same chapter in verses 22 and 23 to say, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And this is the same idea that we find in a passage like Acts chapter 26, verse 23, where Christ is called, listen to the language, the first to rise from the dead. So I want to return to this idea of what we're celebrating today. What we are celebrating on this day is the historical and powerful beginning and basis for what's to come. Christ's resurrection on Easter Sunday, it leans into the future. And listen to this, it leans into our future as Christians. The resurrection of Christ leans into the future. It leans into our future. It leans into my future. Packed into the glorious and unique resurrection of Christ, is the full assurance that those who belong to Christ will also one day be raised from the dead. So, let's return to our initial question that we started with on this Easter Sunday. What does it look like for you to celebrate Easter? We're not gathered together. We're sitting at home. We're in front of a screen. We're not gathered at the building we have to worship God in. We're not gathered there together, hearing each other, sing praises, being able to fellowship with each other and encourage one another. So we ask the question, what does it look like for us to celebrate Easter? And the answer here is to live a life of expectation. To celebrate Easter is to live a life that is filled With hope. This is about appropriation. We appropriate the resurrection personally. The resurrection of Christ from the dead is not something that we merely marvel at. It's not something we look at and go, wow, that's amazing. It is, of course, the greatest miracle that has ever occurred. It's the greatest event in human history. But it is not merely something that we marvel at. The resurrection, rather, Is something that we participate in. So, are you celebrating Easter this year? Are you hopeful? Are you looking forward to Christ raising you from the dead? I want you to think about this for a moment. In the midst of a global pandemic, a global pandemic, our hope should be far more contagious than this virus. That is what the world needs. The world needs this hope in a raised Christ. A raised Christ whose resurrection means that we too will be resurrected one day. This is a powerful idea. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, as Paul goes on to say in Romans one sixteen, And this truth, this hope housed in the hearts of God's people is far more contagious than any virus, and we're reminded of that, I think, during a time of pandemic. This focus on hope is how Peter comes at the resurrection in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. So listen to what Peter says. Listen to his logic. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's praising God the Father according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I love this verse because it gives us so much clarity on what it is. It it gives us so much clarity on what it means to be a Christian. We ask the question, what is a Christian? Well, a Christian is born again, and you've probably heard that language many times and used it yourself. I'm a born-again Christian, or or that person is a born-again Christian. This is the language that became very popular throughout the 20th century, especially with the ministry of Billy Graham and others. This this language bringing us back to John chapter 3. But it raises the question for us what are we born again into? You think of someone being born, they're born into life on uh, on this on this earth. They're born into the life we know physically here and now. But what is a person, a Christian born into? And what Peter says here is that to be a Christian at the core of it, at the center of it is to be born again to a living hope. A Christian is one who has A living hope, and that living hope is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it is a hope for an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. One of the things we're reminded of in a time like this, a time of immense vulnerability and frailty. I mean, we see some of the most powerful people in the world getting this virus and being being put in ICU. We see The most powerful people in the world, the the most educated people in the world, scratching their heads, trying to figure out what to do, what to do about the economies of the world, what to do about keeping people safe, what to do about uh, finding treatments and a vaccine. People are just demonstrating human frailty and vulnerability. Everywhere we look, we see what is perishable, what is defiled, and what is fading, And Peter tells us that the resurrection of Christ from the dead, it is pointing towards an inheritance that is none of these things. It is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Our future resurrected life will never fade away. I want to say something else about our hope, Uh, pointing you to John chapter 11, Verse 26, a very well-known passage that you've probably heard at a funeral before. And Jesus says here in just this one verse, Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's incredible language. We read about, uh, as we go back to Genesis, we just reflect on what we saw there. We read about the death of each of the patriarchs. We read about the death of Abraham. We saw uh, Ishmael and Isaac there burying Abraham. And we read about the death of his son Isaac. Uh, we read about his birth. And then we get, of course, through as the chapters unfold, we get to his death. And we see Esau and Jacob there burying their father Isaac in the cave of Machpelah. We see Abraham's death and Isaac's death. We get to the end of Genesis and there goes Jacob. We see his death as well. We read all of these deaths. What is Jesus getting at when he says, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die? We know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob trusted in God's promise, and particularly God's promise to send a deliverer, God's promise to send his Christ. But as we think about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just for a moment in particular, we remember what Jesus says about them. He reflects on the fact that God calls himself the God of Abraham, isaac and jacob and jesus says that god is not the god of the dead but of the living he says this in mark chapter 12 verse 27 and what jesus is saying is that abraham isaac and jacob we read about their deaths they they did die but what jesus is saying about them and what i think jesus is getting at in john eleven twenty-six, 26 is that they live with god now waiting for the resurrection of their bodies. I submit to you this idea that in the hour of our death, a point that we know as Christians we're not afraid of, uh, we're not meant to fear death. Sometimes we are tempted to fear death. But through these words of Jesus, and as we reflect on the, the living nature of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I think we are meant to understand that That at our death, we will simply walk with Jesus from one room to another. We will be with Christ before death. We will be with Christ through death. And we will be with Christ after death. And we will be waiting for the resurrection of our bodies. This is the living hope that Peter talks about and that the resurrection gives us. And in fact, Paul says in Philippians 1, 21, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he goes on in verse 23 to say, my desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better. To embody this mindset that we read here from Paul, to embody this mindset is what it means to celebrate Easter. what it means to celebrate Easter this year when we can't gather that's what it will mean to celebrate Easter next year Lord willing when we are able to gather to have to embody this mindset my desire is to depart and be with Christ for that is far better and to consider the truth that one day he will raise me from the dead but there's more There's more that I want you to see about this resurrection-oriented life. And the second that this brings us to our second point. The second thing I want you to see, the second characteristic of this resurrection-oriented life, is that it is a life of holiness. Notice in verse 4 that this historical event, this first fruits event of Christ's resurrection is, look at the language there, in accordance with or according to the Spirit of holiness. And I take that here to be another way of referring to the Holy Spirit. We know from reading the New Testament that all three persons of the Trinity are involved in the resurrection of Christ from the dead. We we recognize, we go through the New Testament, you can find verses that show us that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, each person is involved in raising Christ from the dead. So what I want to do is just give you a few of these verses. We see the Father's role in the resurrection, uh, or the, the Father's work in the resurrection. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 20, There. Uh, Paul refers to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, who according to the working of his great might raised Christ from the dead. So we see the Father raising Christ from the dead in accordance with his great might. But we also see that the Son himself is involved in his own resurrection. So John chapter 2, verse 19 he is referring to the temple of his body. And Jesus says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So we see the Father involved in the resurrection of Christ. And now we see the Son himself involved in his own resurrection. Finally, we have the Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit or or by the Spirit. And here in verse 4, we get that same emphasis on the working or activity of the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And one of the reasons why the Spirit or the Spirit of God or the third person of the Trinity is called the Holy Spirit is because he sets apart. That is what it means. That's what holiness means. It means to be set apart. This idea of being holy or being set apart, we we recognize this from the tabernacle and temple uh, passages in the Old Testament, that those things that were set apart for this special use by God. Israel herself, as a nation, set apart by God a holy people, a possession of God set apart for his purposes, for his service, for his glory. So the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of holiness is the Spirit who sets apart. Christ's holiness, his set-apartness is made evident to all at the resurrection in accordance with the activity of the Holy Spirit. It is at the resurrection of Christ, that Jesus is set apart before the eyes of everyone as the Lord and Christ. We looked at that last week in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, where Peter refers to him being made Lord and Christ at his resurrection. So it's at the resurrection that he is set apart for all to see as the Lord and Christ and as the Son of God in power, as we looked at last week in here, this verse, Romans 1, verse 4. We get a sense of, of this idea in Acts chapter 17, verse 31, where we read, He has fixed a day on which he will judge the world. God has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. So it's in the resurrection of Christ from the dead that all are made sure, that all are assured that, that this Jesus of Nazareth, he is the Christ, he is the son, he is the Lord, he is the judge, the Holy Spirit, setting him apart as this exalted one. So what am I getting at here? The Holy Spirit the spirit of holiness who was involved in the resurrection of christ dwells in each of us who is a christian we we know that if if i were to go around and ask each of you what does it mean to be a christian we would give different answers i think there would be different emphases but one of the things that we would one of the the main things that we would say about a christian is that a christian has the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit of God dwells in those who are believers. This means that to live a life that is resurrection-oriented is to live a life of holiness, or we could say it this way, to live a life that is in accordance with the Spirit of holiness. Do you see that? A new life in the new age of the Spirit, which began with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 connects the two together here quite well. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, there you have the historical event of Christ's resurrection, and here we go with Paul giving us, in Romans 6, the implication of that for us. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, we too walk in newness of Christ life. I want to give you a quote here from uh, one of the uh, best commentators, I think, on Romans, and that is Thomas Schreiner. And here's what he says. Jesus had to take on flesh and enter into the old age in order to inaugurate the new age that is characterized by the Holy Spirit, the new age characterized by the Holy Spirit. The resurrection of Christ inaugurates the new age when Jesus lived on earth as the son of David, he lived his life in the old age of the flesh, which is characterized by weakness, sin, and death. At his resurrection, however, Jesus left the old age behind and inaugurated the new age of the Spirit. So here's our question once again. How do we celebrate Easter? We can't gather today, but how do we celebrate Easter? Answer, with a life of holiness. A new life lived in the power and in the age of the Holy Spirit. That's a big idea though. I think we all recognize that uh, holiness is a a very large concept. So what I want to do is give you Three passages, two of them from Romans, and one of them I've selected because it uses this same word for holiness here in another part of uh, Paul's epistles, another part of the New Testament. I want to give you a little bit more of a, and an, I want to give you some imagery, some imagery for what it looks like to live a life of holiness. So here we go. Three passages. Romans eight thirteen. By the Spirit, put to death the deeds. Of the body. This is militant language. This is execution language. Those who have the Spirit, those who have the power of the Spirit, who have the new life of the Spirit, are able by the Spirit to put to death the deeds of the body, to put to death those deeds that characterize the old man, the old nature, the old unsaved person. So that Language of putting to death. Let me give you another passage in Romans. Romans chapter 6, verses 12 to 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. So in the last passage, we get this militant language, this, this warfare language, this execution language. Here we get the language of presenting your members, your eyes, your tongue, going back to James, he has much to say about the tongue, your eyes, your tongue, your hands, your feet, not presenting your members to sin to become instruments for unrighteousness, for sin, but presenting your members to God to be instruments for righteousness. Another image there of what it means, what it looks like to live a resurrection-oriented life. In this case, with this aspect in view, a life of holiness. Let me give you one more verse here before we move on. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. Listen to this language. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves, from every, every, not letting any of that stay, from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. The language of holiness where we are reverent toward God, we are in awe of God, we have this healthy fear of God, and we are cleansing ourselves from every defilement there is. So whether it's with warfare language, you're putting it to death, you're executing it, or whether it's this language of of thinking about what, how you're presenting the members of your body, whether to sin or to righteousness, or, or whether it's thinking about being cleansed and cleansing yourself, washing yourself. Right now, we're thinking a lot about washing our hands many, many, many times a day. And if you have kids, that can be quite frustrating because uh, having a three-year-old wash her hands in the right way regularly is very difficult. And some of you have kids younger than that. And I don't know about you, but we have absolutely uh, zero hand sanitizer. It just cannot be found. So the washing of the hands really is the only way. And we're thinking about all of that cleansing that's going on right now. And so let's consider what Easter, what the resurrection is telling us. Cleanse our hearts, cleanse ourselves from every defilement what better time than now to repent of these long-standing sins these long-standing defilements that are in your life brother or sister these long-standing habits what a day in light of the resurrection that was brought about by the spirit of holiness in light of the new age that has come in the spirit and the indwelling of that spirit in us what better time is there than to cleanse yourself today of that defilement. So to quickly review, we celebrate Easter by having a resurrection-oriented life. And as we've seen so far, this is a life that looks forward in hope and a life that is set apart in holiness. But what are we to be about while we wait? We, we recognize here so far that we're a people who are waiting. Going back to that language in Titus chapter two, I remember when we looked at that, uh, that idea of, of waiting. We are waiting on our blessed hope, the, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, so we recognize as Christians that to live in this world, to live this life, is to be in a state of waiting. But what are we to be about? What are we to be doing while we wait? What are we to be doing while we put to death the deeds of the body? We are set apart. We are holy. We are to be putting to death every defilement, cleansing ourselves from that. But what are we to be about during this time or with these activities in place? And that brings us to our Third characteristic and final characteristic this morning as we think about the resurrection and as we think about a resurrection-oriented life, number three, it is a life of purpose. I won't spend this morning too much time on this last point at at this particular stage because it will factor into this this idea that I want to get across here. will factor into our treatment of the next set of verses in Paul's greeting. But here I want you to get the simple point, this simple point, that the resurrection gives us purpose. A resurrection-oriented life is a life of purpose. It's not just a life of waiting. It's not just a life of being set apart. It is a life with intense purpose. Where am I getting this idea as we come to verse 4? Well, remember where we are in Paul's introduction. Remember where, what, where we've come to in Paul's logic as he's introducing himself and his message and his mission as he's introducing all these things. Remember where we are. In verse 1, Paul introduces the gospel. At the very end, the gospel of God. And then in verse 3, he tells us that this gospel is all about a person. It concerns a person. So two weeks ago, we, we looked at that idea. We introduced that idea. And then last week, we went into detail about that as we consider this person. In verses 3 to 4, Paul begins to explain who this person is. He is the son of God. He is the son of David. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we come to the resurrection, we notice that the resurrection itself is embedded in verse 4. Paul is explaining the gospel and he's centering it on a person and he's explaining this person. And as he's explaining this person, embedded in that is the resurrection. We realize that the resurrection itself is therefore about this person verse 4, Paul describes this person as exalted. The resurrection marks his appointment as the Son of God in power. And I told you that Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11 is a great parallel for this verse, for verses, well, for verses 3 and 4 of the first chapter of Romans. And Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says that the purpose and result, catch this, The purpose and result of this exaltation is so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, the resurrection is about glorifying and magnifying the name of Christ. Christ came. He took on our sin. He went to our death. He he paid the penalty of death in our place, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, telling us that the resurrection is about this exaltation. It is about magnifying and glorifying this name. The name represents the person himself. The name of Christ. Christ himself magnified and glorified in the resurrection. Everyone and everything exists for the supremacy of Christ. For the lifting up of his name. And we're going to find that very thing in the next verse in Romans chapter one, verse five, Paul says through Christ, we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith. And here it is. It's so beautiful. It's so grand to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. It's amazing how Philippians two and Romans one in this greeting go together so very well so back to our question how brothers and sisters in christ how do we celebrate easter we long to be back together we long to as hebrews 10 uh, verses 24 to 25 indicate we long to to as the day approaches to encourage one another in the gospel that that we would sharpen one another and be together that we would see the faces Of our brothers and sisters in Christ in the flesh not just on a screen but even now even under these circumstances how do we celebrate Easter by living a life of purpose and what is our purpose the name the name of of Christ that in everything we do in our waking to our sleeping in our interactions with our children our interactions with our spouse in our interactions with our neighbors in everything we do say and think that Christ Jesus is lifted up that is the purpose and the result of the resurrection from the perspective of God the Father. And that is our very purpose while we live. We are waiting. We are set apart. But every moment of our lives, we are asking the question, how might I make much of Christ? How might I lift up Christ? The name of this Son of God, this Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have much to do brothers and sisters in Christ, we have much to do, much to occupy ourselves. May it never be said among the people of God that we are bored or restless. We have so much that we can do in the way of magnifying that great name, that great person. So, as we close this morning, my encouragement to us is simple. Let's celebrate Easter. Let's celebrate Resurrection Day. Let's live lives of expectation, holiness, and purpose in pandemic or normality, in sickness or in health. We as Christians have a life to live today, tomorrow, and as many days as the Lord will give us, we have a Resurrection oriented life to live let's go to the lord in prayer and let's ask for his help in living this resurrection life father we praise you this day we praise you that we have before us such clarity from your word on the efficacy and relevance of the resurrection of christ for us Today, people talk about making the message of Christianity relevant. It is immediately relevant, and we see that, Father, at its core teachings, going back to 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ came and he died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised. And, Father, we praise you for the resurrection of Christ. And, Lord, before we know it, we will be with you in glory and Our bodies will be raised. We will walk with you and talk with you in our bodies. We do not know now what those bodies will be like. Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about it, uh, how it's sown and how it will be raised up. And, And John says that we do not know what we'll be like, but we'll be like him and we'll see him as he is. Father, we don't know all the details, so many questions, but how amazed we are of the hope that you have planted in each of our hearts. that We've been born again to this living hope through the resurrection. So, Father, I pray. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ at Four Corners Church. I pray for myself, Lord, that we would live lives of hope and holiness and purpose this day and all the days of our lives, whether we can gather or not, that this would be the way we magnify you in the way we celebrate Easter. Thank you for this time to reflect on your word. We pray it would be edifying and that it would draw us closer to you and closer to each other. In Jesus' name, amen.